Hello friend. Welcome to Almost Cancelled. I'm Peter and this is Connor. Hey guys. We're going to talk about Mr. Robot Season 2, Episode 6. It's called Eps 2.4 underscore Masterslave dot AES. Any idea what AES is? No, but the trend seems to be encryption software. So That, that is true. It does seem to be that, doesn't it? But anyway, um, full spoilers as always, guys. So first thing we need to talk about is the opening 20 minutes of this uh, episode which takes place in a late 80s early 90s sitcom style complete with the 43 aspect ratio in fact not only that they even shitty up the video a little bit so that it looks kind of the hsc yeah yeah um they even had some old school like commercials uh sort of inserted in the, the ad break it was all very very interesting and weird and they had a laugh track which Elliot could hear yeah and uh, it was so strange it it, it was strange but you very quickly got what was going on like you did as soon as you seen a little bit of the uh, the end of last episode on the Game Boy you go alright this is him dealing with the fact that he's had the absolute bloody piss beat out of him and uh, that comes more into it as we go. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of metaphorical stuff going on during this, though. There is. There's, it, there's one line in particular that stood out to me. Like for example, when he goes to when he runs into Angela at the, uh, the Evil Court store, and she says something like, "Oh well, you know, I, I've become assistant manager. I'm now in line to be manager." It almost makes up for them killing my mother, like. You know, yeah, pretty blatant, like just referencing what's going on in the actual show. Um, yeah, the one that stood out to me was when he goes, "None of this is real," and it's like it's almost like he's talking about the uh, living at home. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Because if he's if he's doing this to deal with this beating, then that's because he says none of this is real. I've created all this. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's like, mm. a very good point. I don't think it was a whole lot of the whole the uh, he's really in an institute this episode in terms of because once we actually break into the the, the real world as it were uh, there's not a whole lot of Elliot. There's only no, he, he kind of just bookends it, doesn't he? He bookends it. The opening and closing scenes actually uh, have a lot of symmetry, which mm. is really nice because the the closing scene, which is an actual flashback to Elliot when he was a kid, also involves driving with his dad and having a destination. And he was just in a fight. Like there's a lot of parallels to draw. There's like even similar dialogue where he's like eyes on the road. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So no, a lot of interesting stuff there. Alf had a cameo. Uh, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Have your Alf cameo. Uh. Even get the cheesy intro credits, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a. It was just so strange, and it's it's impressive that it's so strange and should feel so out of place. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, not in this. But I suppose the biggest thing to talk about in this whole section is the man in the trunk. The uh, Yeah, you know. this threw me for it because at first I was pretty sure it was him in the trunk. Hmm. Like they'd thrown him in the trunk and, and he was just processing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think that occurred to me as well. It's, it's when you first heard the noise. Yeah. Well or seen the man in the trunk thing in the credits <laughs> whatever one uh, the, the noise was before that was that I can't remember yeah pretty sure it was yeah that doesn't really matter 
But the point uh, is, is what that actually means. There's the more direct thing, because obviously it's Tyrell, and the more direct thing you could take from it is, is the saying that he killed Tyrell and put him in a bit of a car. Because I remember in the season one finale, there is a moment after he wakes up where he does look at the uh, back of the car. Yeah. So that's the more obvious thing to take away from it. And is... don't forget, there's also the only other time we've featured a, a boot of a car would be the, uh, the Prison Break episode. Yeah, yeah, which obviously was quite a big deal. But uh, that's the more direct thing to take from it. I'm wondering if... It's actually not as specific as that. It's more just a metaphor for um, Tyrell's location being locked away in his mind. Yeah, I always got that. Maybe he killed his position in business, you know, like, because cause he killed his life essentially. Even if not his, even if he didn't physically take his life, he did kind of ruin everything he had. Uh, Indirectly, by no, by, can... by 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 like hacking and doing it all. I and guess going he, he mostly him. did it to himself, though. Well, yeah. Like, he, he killed the woman. He did that to. He did. That he did himself. do that himself. Yeah, that wasn't Elliot. Elliot had nothing to do with that. No, no, he did that himself. Um, but no, nah, and the only reason why I think that is because the the way Mister Robot is like keeps like try to keep him away from it and like not let him see what's in the boot, not let him see what's you know in the car. He's yeah. locking it away from Elliot, and that's what that uh, uh, that's where that came from to me. But of course, what we really get thematically this episode from him and Mister Robot is Mr. Robot showing Elliot that he has a purpose and that he can help him. Yeah, I was just thinking uh, along this point that ties in with the last one. Uh, he says, I only took control to, to save you from the beating. Like, he only took control to, you know, like, keep him okay. Yeah, yeah no, because the exact line is that I took control to take those punches for you. Right, uh, yeah. And that is very interesting because obviously... Elliot's been looking at Mr. Robot as this villain, villainous character that he's trying to keep out. But there is some sort of like purpose. And even though he's not really his dad, because it's just it's him. It's still based on him, isn't it? The, the idea that he's looking out for him is still kind of oddly sweet. Like It was oddly touching at times of this episode when he was like doing things for him and trying to keep him safe. Yeah, but I think for me it very much showed that entire delusion was entirely created by Mr. Robot. Like he was in control of what the delusion was rather than it just being random. And then the bits that we see are like Elliot fighting back. So that'll be why it's locked away because it's Mr. Robot like purposely creating that trunk and like the separate thing. Some of it's kind of random. Alf is only there because it was on TV. Well, okay. Yeah, but most of it, I think, like the the idea of the road trip and the the situation is all controlled by Mister Robot. It's very intentionally like he's feeding that situation to him rather than it just being created randomly. I guess I don't, I don't quite see it as Mister Robot being someone who actively creates the illusion. Hmm. Okay. I see. I really did in this. Because Mr. Robot himself is a creation of Elliot's. Yeah, but he can fight and take control of Elliot. Like like he said, like he can have he can literally take over the brain and do what he wants. See to me I took I took this whole illusion more of a 
Elliot's reimagining of his actual early life, like the, the over the top comical of the mother like punching Darlene, like it's just a comical version of what actually happened. To me, this was all just like some weird construct of like taking what his childhood was and like well putting it into the metaphor of like you know. Yeah, yeah. What's no, I, I get on. that. I still feel like it was Mr. Robert choosing it for the most part. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I don't know. That was just the impression I got. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, so that was the Elliot Mr. Robots thing, but honestly, that wasn't even the most impressive part of the episode. No, and that says it all when that's the first, what, third or so of the episode? Uh, Nearly half? Well, uh, first 20 minutes and then the last five, because we kind of included the, the flashback as well. Um, I suppose we should mention that he did let him pick the name for the uh, the computer store. Which I suppose a... before we move on from Elliot as well, we should talk about where he gets dumped. Go on then. I mean, do, do you have any theory? Like, is it just a, a random hideout that, that those guys have, do you think? Or... I don't know, it's, it's just like a pretty plain room to me. I didn't really see anything that told me anything about it. Well, no, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if that's meant to be back in this institution that, he's, that they've taken him from, but now we're seeing the reality of it. Oh yeah, or, I suppose. Or if it is a separate criminal place that that they have. I don't think there's any way to really know because, like, even if it is the same institute, like, it might not actually even be one of the rooms that we've seen, you know, quote unquote yeah. seen. You know, it yeah. could just be like another random room in the basement or something. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, I was just wondering which one. Do, do do you have any preference to which one it might be? Uh, probably the institute. It'd be. Probably mean a little bit more, but I don't think it matters that much in the the grand scheme of things. Yeah, fair uh, enough. Especially if they take them off somewhere to do you know the more computer stuff once he's not feeling his shit. Which really begs the question: Why beat the absolute living piss out of him if you still need them to do the thing and you want that done quickly? You know, just you know, some criminals not the brightest tools in the sheds. That's all I'm saying. Clearly, they don't need it done as quickly as as they implied. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that's uh, Elliot and Mr. Robot's kind of uh, side of the episode, which is mostly contained to the opening 20 minutes and the last like five uh, in the illusion and in the uh, flashback. The other part of the episode entirely focuses on pretty much... Um, I mean, there's one scene with Dom like speaking about the, the incident from last week, but and there's a scene with... Uh, uh, Darlene's ex, who like you know has a bit of a nasty run in with the uh, Dark Army. I missed some of the subtitles in that one. I'll be honest, I was too busy looking away from the needle. <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't. He was just saying to him, uh, "Remember your place. You're a foot soldier. You don't ask questions." Kind of thing. That that was the gist of what he was saying. Good stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, I think that was just showing how like you know you don't fuck with the Dark Army. They are. They mean serious business. I think there was a really interesting line in that at the start of it where he says, oh, he's been wasting time. Hmm. I thought that was very... Because obviously he surely must know at, at least of the reputation that he has with time. Maybe. I don't know. Um, it may not even be something that character consciously knows. It may just be a writing thing. Like, you know, yeah, it could be. They've put in that touch because it'll make us think, oh, wait, wasting time. That's like an insult to White Rose. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> what did you say I've been doing? You say I've been wasting time, you son of a bitch. Um, 
But no, that was just uh, it was just I was just there to like show you how like dark. The... Actually, do you know what moment I love with him? See when Angela recognizes him, mm. and there's this pure awkward moment, and Darlene's like, "What the fuck is going on?" Um, I think he looks a little bit scared as well. Like he does. I think Darlene and the rest of FSA don't know the extent of the involvement he had in the events before. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it he clearly seemed, doesn't want them to know. It clearly seems like that because the way he reacted, he looked petrified, and yeah. Darlene didn't realize that they two had recognized each other. Uh, and then Angela doesn't say that she knows him; mm. she keeps it quiet. And I'm wondering if that's just because she's already like so deep into all this stuff. Like the less like everyone can connect pieces together, the better. I don't know. I feel like maybe she's starting to learn how to play the game a bit, and she wants some leverage of her own. Mm. Uh, but she's tried this leverage game in the past and it's not worked out too well. She has, but maybe she's thinking, this is a bit lower on the scale, this this guy. Maybe yeah. she'll have a bit better luck if she starts a bit lower true. than with, you know, like a CEO. That is true. Uh, but obviously, yeah, the, the main the main gist of this is Angela's learned a little bit of a hacking skill because she needs to do a couple of things when she does this thing on the, the floor of the Evil Core building where the FBI are. And the main focus, of course, is the, I guess we'll call it the heist, the, the hurrying in and do, doing planting the, the device and the little bit of hacking, and the centerpiece of this, of course, is a one take sh- sort of scene. Goes on for ages. Where it's all one shot, uh, from the moment she steps out of the elevator to the moment where she goes under the desk, it's yeah. all one shot. At least to the best of I can. Sometimes they'll sneak a cut in there where you can't really tell. Like, there's a moment where it focuses on the door. You could technically, you know, you could fake it there. You could make it merge from one shot to the next without anyone spotting it. That's fine because it doesn't look like it, so it doesn't matter. True, true. But, you know, like, that that is possible. It may not have, but it, that's certainly a possibility. But otherwise, it's like a good five minute scene of like I think one take I really love just the bit before as well because it starts us with uh, Darlene yeah. over in the hotel and the music like the heist music's playing and she's doing her bit and then it cuts to Angela at her desk and the music just stops dead like, and it starts up again though when she comes out it does but you, you get the bit like where like when Darlene's doing it she's confident she knows exactly what she's doing she's fine with it and then it cuts to Angela the music stops it's like she's just terrified yeah she's a nervous and, wreck yeah yeah yeah, no, it's uh, really, really well done. The direction, we mentioned the direction was great last week. It was great again this week. Uh, Sam Esmail's just, like, he's just evolving and doing better, like, on a week-to-week basis. It's really kind of insane. Uh, the, the, you know, like, when she comes out of the bathroom and the, the FBI guy, like, stops her and tries to flirt, and it kind of goes back and forth, and she kind of, like, realises how to win this fight, like, halfway through the conversation. Um, it's worth mentioning as well, if you're familiar with camera techniques, the camera crosses the line. Around the moment where she uh, like realizes how to like win the fight, but it, it works really well because it's at that moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously that's exactly it's why. Like, it's, it's literally yeah. like flipping a switch um, in a brain. And if you don't know what crossing the line means, it just means the camera's on one side of the conversation, and then it'll flip to the other perspective. So if one person's looking left for the first half of the scene, the camera will go around to the other side of them, and they'll now be looking right. That's just what crossing the line means. It's not, imagine a line between the two characters talking. Yeah. And that's the line that's crossed. It just doesn't, doesn't happen very often. So. It's, well, it's, no, it's you, like, you can't cut across the line. Well, you can. Like Some, some directors will do it, and it'll, they'll do it 
when they want it to feel startling. But most of the time, if someone crosses the line, it's because they made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I can think of a few examples of it being done in a cut properly, but it's it's rare. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason why that rules there because it confuses the audience if you just do it willy nilly. Yeah. You know, you you want everyone everything to be from the same side, roughly. Um, so I uh, know. So that that shot's great. Uh, speculation as to the thing not working properly. I think the Dark Army might have sabotaged that device they gave I her. I think that's almost a given, frankly. So, uh, yeah. I mean, why else would we have had a scene showing them, giving, giving it to him, and, like, saying... Because he, he asks, what have you done? And he wants to know because they're his friends. And they're like, and then, obviously, they're like, ah, shut up. No, uh, it just makes sense that they did something to it. They want them to get caught. And we know that White Rose is in cahoots with Philip. Like, there's some sort of weird conspiracy going on be- between them two, even though White Rose was instrumental in doing the hack last season. I'm still not entirely sure what the connection is. Uh, but again, maybe this is all part of White Rose playing two lives. One life <laughs> wants to fuck them over, the other life wants to not. But then, both involve the Dark Army, which I would have assumed would be one life and the, you know, the the military, not military, but the political business guy would be the other life. Yeah. But he seems to be using both, like, parts of his life to for both aims, like, which gets confusing. It's, it is confusing. So, well, we'll have to see how that plays out and see if we learn more things like that, but uh, now that, that was really tense, especially when Dom starts talking to her, and Dom is there, Um <laughs> And that's kind of made it feel like a, the first half of a two-parter to me, because I felt like this story is only half of it because of where it ends with like Dom coming to talk to her. Yeah, I get you. Um, but no, like my immediate reaction was, "Oh, jeez, Angela's fucked." Yeah, you just—it's—it's it's the way everything kind of the whole camera just stops dead. Nothing moves for a good second before it looks up at her. Yeah, but you know her voice. Like we, we you do. We, you know, you know who it is, but you don't get that reaction to look at it. You just have a pause just to, to think about it for a second, which is really clever. Yeah. Uh, now this was a great episode. Uh, I may have preferred last week slightly, but it's not much in it. If... Yeah, I'm not, I couldn't tell you without like, actually thinking Ismail about it. Ismail almost... <laughs> he tweeted out earlier today that it was his favourite episode of the show so far, so my height was through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I was, you know, bracing myself is, for did impact. it live up to the hype? Kind of no, because it's not the best episode of the show. I think he, I think he probably said that because he got to do something so drastically different. Yeah, no, I get why he, it would be his favourite from like a, I got to do this big one or I got to do this 90s sitcom thing. But for me, like, you know, episodes eight and nine last season are still probably the two high points of the show so far. But, you know, like, you know, I, I mean, when I say it failed expectations, it failed the expectation of this is the best episode of the entire show. Yeah, it was still an extremely good episode. Yeah. Um, no, Heist, Heist was fun, uh, sitcom was fun, and the flashback at the end was another important piece of the i tell you what, backstory. one scene that stood out as a little bit odd to me, mm-hmm. is the scene where Dom goes back to the shop. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, what I'm not entirely sure what the purpose of this scene is. Maybe I'm missing something. Everything's empty and she's the only one there, like, still 
trying to keep it going. Is is that meant to be it? Like she's the only one who's still really focused on things. Um, I don't know. Like, well, because they all seem to see where the FBI or like, the or superior is that she's been like possibly forced to take like four weeks leave because of the traumatic incident she's went through. Mm. So I don't know if it's maybe just another way of hitting home that she's losing control in some way. Because the place she always goes to isn't going to be there anymore. Yeah, that could be it. Um, but she asks for that one last sandwich anyway, because she she'll keep pushing. Yeah. I don't know. That's... Oh, that's, that's that's a reasonable answer. I was just wondering. It was it, was, it stuck with me. Yeah. But no, nah, no, nah, nah, fantastic stuff. I mean, the season's definitely moving at a much slower pace in terms of plot. Like when I think back to season one. There was like so much plot like happening per episode compared to this, um, which for some people I think will probably be an issue. For me, it's not like I actually kind of like how much time they're taking to explore everything. And hey, when you get a good five minute one just on one scene, I'll take a backseat on plot for that. Yeah, I just find though because during the shootout last last week we were saying, "Oh, this is great! How it was all done in one shot," and that lasted like twenty seconds, thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this week we just got this five minute long take. Oh, but no, uh, impressive stuff. So that's Mr. Robot episode six. Uh, let us know what you think in the comments below. Thoughts and theories and wild speculation. Uh, you know, let us in to your thought process. We always like to hear. Uh, like and subscribe and all that jazz helps us out a lot. Thanks very much for watching, guys. We will see you next time. Yeah.